0: state of economic depression, in the state of depletion of the resources of our planet
1: because of the greed of psychopaths who thought they could create their own reality. Well, look at the reality they created. You're listening to Behind the Headlines on the SOT Radio
2: Network. The world for people who think.
1: Remember, remember. The 5th of November, the gunpowder treason and plot. I know of no reason why the gunpowder treason should ever be forgot. It is November 5th, 2017. This is the truth. Or no, this is behind the headlines. Sorry there. I'm Harrison Cayley, and joining me today are Elon Martin. Hi everyone. Joe Quinn. Hi there. And Neil Bradley. Hi everyone. It may be the 5th of November, but um, I don't think we're going to be talking about the gunpowder treason plot. Maybe we'll get to it at the end. Instead, today, we have the um, democratic treason plot, I guess, Mm -hmm. Um, because Mm -hmm. over the last week or so, there have been some, um, what would we call them? I wouldn't necessarily call them stunning revelations because they have been known for the most part (coughs) since, you know, well, since... They happened, essentially, but they are only now being officially acknowledged by some of the alleged top players in American politics. So I'm speaking of Donna Brazile um, coming forward and essentially admitting that the Democratic primary was rigged for Hillary Clinton against Bernie Sanders. And um, so that's been, you know, that was in Politico. It's been all over the news and of course, Hillary supporters are blasting Donna Brazil for, I guess, telling the truth. And this is just one in a series of, you know, th- things like this that have come out that we've been talking about for the past several weeks, but um, this is just the latest. And it kind of, as our title alludes to, kind of exposes the fact that, you know, now there's no real, no real excuse for not seeing the sham that is, uh, you know, American U.S. democracy, at least compared to the ideals and the image that it presents of itself. Because, uh, you know, it's all rigged and it has been for a long time. Well, at, at least it's, you know, it's been rigged and the the people doing the rigging have assumed that they've always been able to get away with it. But it seems like it didn't quite work um, last year because they thought, it, they, they thought they had it in the bank for uh, Hillary Clinton and things didn't turn out that way. So we're going to be looking at some of those stories today, as well as maybe some, some news from around the world. There's some interesting things going on, um, like, for example, the sudden uh, resignation of the Prime Minister of Lebanon, Hariri, um, in Saudi Arabia on Saudi Arabian TV. Um, that is kind of interesting, so we may get into that. Um, but what do we want to start out with? Maybe we can get into um, maybe Donna Brazil and some of the stories surrounding uh, surrounding that whole fiasco. What do you think?
2: Sounds good. Uh, huge story, like you said, Harrison. In, uh, in, well, it's been covered and kind of spun in, in the major media outlets. Uh, basically, the gist of the story um, is that uh, Brazil was the kind of interim um, manager of the DNC at some point, And as she sent in excerpts to Politico from her new book, uh, Hacked, um, she, <laughs> she discovered that uh, a lot of the money that had been donated uh, to the DNC was being funneled and rerouted by the Hillary Clinton campaign. Um, now, a little bit of backstory on this. Um, the, the DNC... Was doing pretty badly financially. Uh, there were a couple of reasons for this. Uh, apparently, they were in the weeds for the uh, the Obama campaign in 2012. They were uh, millions of dollars short and in debt, and um, and at a budget of three and a half to four million dollars a month, uh, they they were also kind of destitute. Uh, so basically, you had uh, Hillary Clinton's um, team offered to step in and pay some of the bills in return for, uh, basically control of the democratic party. And, um, and so months before, uh, Hillary won the nomination, uh, which she presumed she would, uh, her, her campaign took control of, uh, Of the dnc in exchange for paying the bills uh of course we were um we were privy to a lot of uh, the other sort of uh control mechanisms that uh, the hillary campaign um, instituted like a year ago in uh, setting up the superdelegates to basically put her into power over bernie sanders there were a number of irregularities uh, that were reported on, not just in RT and Sputnik, uh, but through alternative news in the U.S. So that's the big story. One of, uh, one of the Democratic Party's own comes out, writes this book uh, that essentially validates uh, Julian Assange's WikiLeaks uh, information some months back. And uh, saying that, uh, that Hillary Clinton basically
1: stole the nomination from Bernie Sanders. But then again, if you look at, well, when you read Brazil's piece, the excerpt from her book, it's like, um, well, isn't, isn't Brazil the one who was giving questions uh, like debate questions to, to Hillary, um, you know, from the news agencies. So she could prepare beforehand and then lied about it on TV. Yes. Yeah. So I mean, <laughs> CNN, yeah, this isn't exactly, um, you know, a paragon of virtue but when you read her her account of course it's from her memoir hacked i guess which we, i mean is a whole other story we can get into that too um and it but reading it you see that she's just trying to put herself in the best position possible and to try to um you know present herself in the best light possible mm-hmm. um in this whole situation so it's it's pretty clear you can make a, a pretty good educated guess that she's just covering her own ass for um, you know, all the things that she's been involved in and just trying to, you know, be ahead of the curve in uh, dumping Hillary so that she doesn't have, a, you know, as much of the, the flack, the fallout that uh, that might inevitably come from that. So um, there's that to consider. Um, but also maybe we can get just get into that. So she called the title of her book Hacked. Does it have like a subtitle? It does, like, uh <laughs> Let me see if I can
2: find that. <laughs> it's, kind of, it's kind of long. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll find that and then...
1: <laughs> continue on so uh, so hacked um so she's obviously talking about the uh the infamous russian hack of the you know dnc servers and releasing all those emails and stuff which just shows i mean that's another one of those just total lies um that she's getting behind and uh, you know I'd, i'd predict that that'll be one of the next stories i don't know when it'll come out but um i mean it's already well i don't know when it'll come out officially from people like brazil but that'll be sometime in the future there'll be headlines being like oh russia didn't hack the dnc um because of course they didn't and anyone with you know half a brain already knows that because it's you know all the evidence is there so um i mean it's just they they reveal one little bit of truth while you know maintaining the whole other mountain of lies Mm -hmm. so it's just i mean these people are just reprehensible that's all i have to say about that the
2: title is actually Hacks, the Hacks. Inside Story of the Break-Ins and Breakdowns that
3: Put Trump in the White House. Right, yeah, okay. Mm. She, um, yeah, as you were saying, Harrison, she's, uh, I was wondering, you know, about, uh, you know, rats deserting a, sink, a sinking ship, you know, and um, or rather rats, in this case, rats concerned about... Uh, about being prosecuted or being com- coming under uh, or being indicted by by Mueller, you know, and wanting to put the best uh, put the best slant on their on on their evil deeds, basically, you know, um, it's kind of like mea culpa. I knew all along, you know, uh, just in advance of being indicted for for some a bunch of other stuff that we probably haven't even heard about yet. But I mean, we don't need to hear about that much more. I'm sure we will. In one way or another, but uh, so far we don't really need to know uh, any more, or don't need any more evidence to 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 conclude that, as you were saying, it's uh, the the primary was hacked (laughs) by the Clinton (laughs) campaign, effectively, Um, and yeah, that basically makes the U.S. presidential election pretty much illegitimate um, by any normal western democratic principles
1: right by by any normal western democratic principles and by kind of popular opinion but legally and according to the DNC's own rules that's perfectly fine they're allowed to choose their own candidate they, they don't have to listen to to the way their actual party members um you know vote or what their opinion is so they've got their asses covered in that department right. but uh, but yeah according to just world and public you know domestic opinion totally illegitimate i mean who would you know would get behind that but
3: yeah but i think it's i think it's illegitimate as well in the sense that it's, uh, um it's it's a misuse of well i mean i don't know if i'm, I'm i don't know the exact technical or legal technicalities of it but i'm would say there's some stuff in there that probably makes the what what clinton hmm. was doing with with dnc um i mean donna brazil claims it's that it's that it's not illegal but certainly immoral yeah um what was going on, which was that basically the DNC, obviously, is this organisation that's meant to represent, in theory, all democratic candidates who are putting their names forward for the presidential. Hillary had 100% complete control of it, money, information, everything. It all went to her and ensured that she uh, became. It was a foregone conclusion that she was going to become the uh, the, the candidate, which is obviously completely anti-democratic. Um, put it
0: put it this way hundreds of us ngos use us taxpayer dollars to go around the world yeah. telling everyone else that their elections are null and void for precisely this kind of thing
3: mm-hmm. yeah exactly yeah i mean if this was if this was a story about any other country in the world it would be uh, held up as uh, a country in need of a uh, kind of a, a rogue state or a failed uh, a failed state in need of of democratizing via some kind of U.S. meddling or, or intervention, you know, but... Um, and
0: requiring sanctions. This is what they hit Venezuela with yeah. just uh, six weeks ago. For, Venezuela's for, own internal guidelines on what is and is not a democratic procedure to follow was deemed yeah. against the law by the United States of America which slapped against sanctions hmm. unilaterally against Venezuela. Yeah, state.
3: against the moral law, which the U.S. claims to uphold around the world, you know, at least uh, when they blow blow hard about it, you know, across the media and stuff and and bamboozle people, I suppose. But, I mean, anybody with any sense can see now that America is the worst offender. In that respect, Uh, not only because of all these democratic principles, but also because it's supposedly a a, a fully-fledged long-term democracy. When it hasn't been that way, probably for quite a long time. Certainly not anymore. Uh, so they've been fooling so many people as well. You know, uh, as I was saying somewhere, at least in a dictatorship, uh, people know that this isn't a democracy, and they know that it's just not any any heed to, to to the to the you know the leaders or the, the dictator or whatever. That it's, you know, even if they attempt to present it as a as some kind of a fair election, they know it's pretty clear that it's not. But in the US, people have been fooled for so long uh, with this. Uh, uh, you know, American democracy BS that, um, and, and behind the scenes have been doing exactly the opposite. So it's, it's a real con job, you know, it's, it's got that extra, uh, kind of sting to it, you know? Uh, but the problem is that so many people in America don't, don't really, they still have drunk the Kool-Aid. They drank the Kool-Aid a long time ago. And I don't think many people in America, I don't know how many, obviously it's, there's no way to know, but, uh, I don't know if many people in America really understand just how farcical this whole thing is, you know, because the, basically the presidential election was was illegitimate. Last year's presidential election was illegitimate. Now, all the Trump bashers in the U.S. have already figured that out a long time ago, right? Simply because he won, uh, not my president, therefore it was it was a... Uh, you know it was an illegitimate election from their point of view but for the wrong reasons because obviously it was a fair election in the sense that Trump won most of the well let's say he probably won most of the votes but even if he didn't according to them win all the votes he won all of the electoral college votes so um, he's the official president but you can't really have a, a legitimate election when one of the two contenders should not have been there even if she lost, it's still not a legitimate election because she should not have been there. I mean, all of the evidence suggests that Bernie Sanders would, would have them. Um, Democratic, Democratic contender. So, yeah, it's a joke, you know, American democracy joke. But apparently it's really hard to, to get a sense of that from the media, you know. Uh, and it's a real testament to the, just how much the, of the media is in the camp of the kind of deep state or the Washington establishment where mm-hmm. uh, this information, which should be, be presented as providing clear evidence that American democracy is, is a sham uh, and the presidential election was a sham and Hillary Clinton is a crook and the whole thing is just rotten to the core. Uh, you don't really hear any of that at all. They just, um, blithely kind of, you know, keep, uh, they, they just keep, uh, reiterating the Russia collusion business and, uh, and kind of ignore it. And it's amazing that, you know, uh, mm-hmm. that, that can actually happen, you know, when you have this, like we were saying, if it was any other country they would be screaming it from the rooftops and in, in the Western press, but, um, not a peep because the media in the in, in, in the US is massively controlled you know it's just it's a horrific picture, picture and it's hard it's hard one to get get out of effectively you know for, for the people to get out of because they're bombarded by this uh, media, media disinformation all the time so how are they meant to see what reality is like whenever they uh, they're being propagandized against in this way you know um,
0: my read on it is that the, the main TV networks just didn't report about it at all mm-hmm um now, because it was published on Politico that 's fairly widely read among the reading class, the intelligentsia let's mm. say then there have to be responses mm-hmm. so there 's been enough chatter about it let's say on online mm. the Atlantic other liberal sites but what the yes, the response is the usual one at that the main mainstream media level mm. just it
3: just never happened, mm-hmm. yeah. Bizarre, uh, and Donna Brazile, yeah, she's like, you know, like I was saying, rats fleeing a sinking ship, but she's maybe the dirtiest rat because I mean, the first rats to sink, a a sinking ship are maybe maybe the dirtiest ones, you know, um, or maybe not, but certainly they're in it for they're doing it for their own their own benefit, even though they're complicit. And and then you have Elizabeth Warren coming out and saying, yes, of course, yeah, that she agreed it was rigged that the Democratic primary was rigged, and that was just responded to by the leftist media the lefty media if you want to call it that in the US with uh, meh anyway Russian collusion carry on um, and, and you know Elizabeth Warren has been around for a long time and she's a really well respected uh, democratic uh, congresswoman she, she's a congresswoman. She senator now is she? Senator yeah yeah and uh, yeah they just meh whatever what does she know you know well, she's just basically calling it like it is you know the obvious, the evidence What what the evidence shows you know so and in 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 Brazil's book, she also mentions that she was after the murder of Seth Rich mm-hmm. that she was terrified. You know, she sounds like a real. You know, I don't. I mean, in in the book, apparently, she she presents it as she was terrified of um of snipers, uh, and I think she the suggestion is that these were possibly Russian snipers because for some reason. Um, you know, Seth Rich was killed by Russian snipers or something. Or I says, thank you for leaking them all the emails. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. No, but he didn't. But he has no link to the Russian. Why would the Russians want to kill him? But maybe, I don't know, she was just worried about the death of Seth Rich. But she, maybe for her own safety, maybe she thought the Russians were out to get her Um, because she, you know, was tied to, uh, t- t- she obviously was, was you know, Leading the kind of Clinton campaign, so, um, but I mean, I don't believe anything she says in that respect anyway, or she's just a bit nutty, you know, she's a bit, bit hysterical. But I wouldn't be surprised if the truth was that she was very concerned about the death of Seth Rich, because within the, within the DNC, there were rumours flying all over the place that someone within, someone inside had killed uh, Seth Rich, because Seth Rich was the one who uh, downloaded the emails and spread them, and, uh, and that there was, you know, there was people inside the. Inside the, the DNC or in Clinton's campaign, um, were very concerned because they saw this as if you turn, if you go against Clinton or the Clinton campaign in any way, you may end up dead. So that would probably unnerve anybody within the Clinton campaign who who had reservations about what was going on and about the the corruption and the stealing of the of the primary. Um, I can imagine she was concerned, but I'm sure she's not being 100% honest in her book either, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think that that's actually
2: a, a good point. Uh, I think in some ways it may be that um, she is she is kind of in the know about what happened with Seth Rich, mm-hmm. having, uh, having probably been the one to uh, leak the information and paid the ultimate price for it. And, uh, you know, she, she can't come out and say – uh, I don't want to be part of the Clinton body count, so makes that comment about Russian snipers or whatever, uh, but this might be her way of putting the information out there, being public about it, and um, protecting herself thereby. So mm-hmm. uh, I think that's a distinct possibility.
3: Uh, I think she's a bit hysterical.
2: Not that she's just not
3: a bit. telling the truth, but I think she's a hysterical kind of person, you know.
1: I'm wondering if she's just uh, if that's just the the image that her ghostwriter you know wanted to present of her in the book to you know to show her right. a bit like um, emotional and like uh, like the whole thing about calling up Bernie Sanders to let him know that the it was rigged mm. like, like oh my god uh, you know she she puts on some soul music and and uh, has a glass of wine. has a glass of wine just to pr- pr- prepare her nerves for this tough call mm-hmm. it's
3: like. You know, no, I, I I'd be so dramatized,
1: over dramatized. Right, I, I wouldn't be surprised if she was just really a, like a snake in real life, with mm-hmm. <laughs> not much, not yeah. much of that kind of emotion, and she's just kind of playing it up for the, you know, for the readers and for the general public.
3: Right, but she's clearly in 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 taking that tone and writing that in her book. She's clearly trying to. Um, Get some get get people on her side and possibly right. in her mind get yeah. uh, prosecutors future prosecutors on her side that she was so full of remorse at what she had seen uh, yeah. in terms of uh, Clinton you know denying uh, den- effectively denying victory or or stealing stealing the the primary from uh, from Bernie Sanders she she really had to tell him and she's so you know so she'll get some you know time off right. <laughs> if she's ever prosecuted uh, for for her. For our conscience, I suppose you know.
1: Yeah.
3: Um. But yeah, the whole—I mean, the whole thing is just nonsense. I mean, obviously, people listening to the show know that this—the the whole situation—or should know that the whole situation with Russia is uh, with the Russian collusion and Trump thing is one hundred percent manufactured, and it's amazing. It's almost like the big lie, you know, um, the Google's big lie, where you uh, or were having the effect of that, uh, where you tell uh, the size of the lie that you tell uh, means that the uh, or is is inversely proportional to to the uh, the number of people who believe it. In the sense that uh, the bigger the lie, the more people will believe that it's true because they wouldn't believe that you would ever tell such a massive whopper. Surely they wouldn't ever, uh, you know, go that far and persist not just telling a lie but persisting in it. That's the other. I think uh, this is beyond Google's Basically, beyond Google's big lie because. Uh, he, he never mentioned anything about persisting in the lie beyond all evidence or, or against all evidence that comes out that it is a big lie. Um, because that's what you have to do. You can't just tell this big massive whopper and everybody goes, "Wow, that must be true," because I can't believe you would ever tell such a big massive lie. It must be true, right? It's, it's shocking. It's such a such a massive uh, revelation. It well, there must be something there when you would say that, and there's no smoke without fire and stuff, you know. But then you can't just sit back and go, "There you go, job done." because you just told a massive lie and there's a chance that someone's going to say, hang on a minute, (laughs) that doesn't sound uh, really that plausible or it really sounds like an extremely shocking uh, um, allegation to make. Let's look into it. You have to keep on as uh, evidence comes out that uh, threatens to show that you just lied your pants off. uh, You have to just ignore that evidence and anybody who presents it and repeat your lie. Over and over and over again, and that's what they've been doing with this uh, Russian collusion business. They made it up out of out of whole cloth uh, last year, and uh, I'm, I was wondering if they, if last year when they when the whole hacking of the, the supposed hacking of the of, of the servers and the emails um, from Clinton Clinton's campaign, when that happened. And they knew what was going to come out there. They seriously were seriously concerned that the information in those emails was going to uh, expose a massive kind of corruption in the, in the DNC and in Clinton's campaign and, and with Clinton. Uh, that there and then they decided to invent the or go full, full steam ahead with the Russian collusion uh, angle in order to distract attention away from um, from from the, the real truth and the real the real story here which is that Clinton is a corrupt harpy mm-hmm. who is kind of like a deep state agent basically and the existence of the deep state and the fact that American democracy, democracy is a sham to, to prevent that from coming out they, they invented the Russian collusion with Trump situation and then they ran with it and they've continued to run with it and the reason I say that is because that's exactly what's happening right now. Their main Counter or response to anybody uh, pointing out or the you know the, the leaking out of information about what really happened with Clinton stealing the primary and all the other corruption, uh, their main response is but but Trump and Russia, Trump and Russia. What about Trump and Russia? Um, so that's that's just why I think uh, that they may have actually done that constantly last year and started that was their that was their plan basically. Their, their the response to this threat and the fact that someone has stolen those emails. Yeah, um, well, uh,
1: if you look at the, the timeline for the whole hacking thing, we've got a, a couple of weeks ago, I think we put up an article on SOT about it, um, laying out the exact timeline of all the events about surrounding this you know hack or leak, and what basically happened was like in the in the few days or like week after the hack or whatever took place. Um, that's when we had this Guccifer 2.0 show up who really looked like a, you know, a total plant, um, designed to, to, um, you know, give the appearance of, of the guy that did the hack when whoever this person was on Twitter, you know, didn't really have any evidence for what he'd done. It was like, he knew that, that something had been taken and then tried to take credit for it, but then couldn't. Couldn't actually give any evidence that he'd actually he was actually responsible in any way. Like he was mm. putting out putting out documents, but they were all like public domain documents that had all be, already been released. And the only new stuff came from um, came from WikiLeaks. So it was right. like he he was he was um, you know almost like this fictional creation that was put there with advanced knowledge of what was happening in order to steer the narrative. And mm. so. So that's where where all this Russian hack stuff started and it and it happened like in that week or two after after the, you know, the breach of the of the DNC servers. So mm-hmm. it, it really does look like that's that's when the, the idea was hatched and then it's just been mm-hmm. they've had to stick with it ever since. And it's and it's right. snowballed into all these different areas. And the funny thing is is that, you know, they, they just they can't stop. They've got to keep They've got to keep this lie up because if they, you know, they they can't admit that the, that it was all a fabrication from the very beginning for this very reason, right. you know, the, going back You're to are Clinton and the DNC.
3: Go ahead. You're talking about Kuchiba, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, so that was the that was the first kind of um, well, that was the I immediate was
3: really... or the Yeah.
1: It was the the immediate response to the hack. It was like it was the the first attempt at damage
3: control. But what were you mm-hmm.
1: what were you going to ask about him or
3: no, I was just going to say that the the documents supposedly that they have from from Guchver, I mean, it's pretty clear that someone took information and pasted it into oh, yeah. uh, like almost like like a Russian word document, basically, just so that it was in the Russian. That was a really crass attempt to make it look like it was Russian, basically, you know. Right. And, and anybody could have done it. It was, it was an obvious, uh, uh, you know, plant, basically. Mm-hmm. as as was whoever Guccifer is it probably doesn't exist right It's somebody within uh, um, within the FBI or, or the CIA or whatever you know um, but the the other thing that's been completely ignore, ignored by the media as well and it's amazing this is, this is the main problem is that they they're ignoring really good evidence really hard evidence uh, uh, and reasonable evidence from reasonable people in authority uh, people in a position to know uh, that would dispel all of this Russian, um, Russian hacking business, you know, uh, and the, and the media is absolutely complicit in pushing it forward against all of the evidence that says that is a big as CNN said a nothing burger. I like I mean, why don't the people bring that back over and over again? That CNN, you know, what was it earlier this year? Uh, CNN producer. Was is is on called on Tip? Basically saying, yeah, the whole Russian hacking and thing—it's really just a nothing burger at this point. You know, we don't really have any evidence for it, but we're pushing it anyway because it's it's good for business, basically. You know, um, of course, can't expect CNN to probably put that in their front page, right? Although they had a report on it, but um, it's gone away. It goes away, you know. And that kind of thing should be brought back. The truth isn't brought back over and over again. Lies are brought back over and over again. Um, but there's there's these guys. There's a group called um. Veteran intelligence Professionals for Sanity, V.I.P.S. Mm -hmm. And they're basically um, CIA CIA and MSA uh, professionals who are retired or have, you know, some of them were done. They they formed originally in about 2005, 2006 uh, as a protest against, and some of them actually lost their jobs and went to prison for a certain period of time uh, because of the CIA uh, torture program that they were revealing information on it and they, they exist now and there's like 30 or 40 of them and there are some of them are pretty high level NSA or were re- relatively high level, you know, um, analysts with, within the NSA and, um, and the CIA. And they have at the moment in theory, uh, people within the FBI or who are releasing information to them, but they've been since, since like the past three or four months have been all over this, uh, the, the actual hacked emails, you know, and, um, they got some kind of there was some kind of data made available to them um, that showed uh, you know Clinton never Clinton did not release uh, her the server that she said was hacked to the FBI the FBI just took her word that it was hacked i.e. someone over the internet i.e. Russia
0: no forensics took place N- no
3: the FBI said okay we we'll, we'll go with that that's no problem um, and we're you know because you're not giving us your server so we can actually look. At the at the records of of, of what happened, um, we'll just take your word for it. Clinton said they did their own investigation, and yeah, like you're going to believe that, you know. But these guys got access to some basic information that showed the speed at which um, data was downloaded from that server. Um, not was not what was downloaded, but um, the speed at which with, with which it was downloaded. And it was, on one day, it was it was. One point, two or three gigabytes of data was downloaded. They can see the the, the data that shows uh, the speed with with which it was down uh, that it was downloaded at, and they say it's pretty clear that there's no way. I mean, they did did studies and investigation in terms of um, even within the US, uh, the fastest uh, kind of speed with which you could access someone else's, uh, not the speed that you can access, but accessing someone else's uh, computer and then the speed with which you could download it. And they looked at the the internet service providers that had the highest uh, bandwidth offered and um, none of them were able to reach, I think it was 22 uh, megabytes per second or something like that, or I think it was 22, uh, or maybe, yeah, probably 22 megabytes per second. Uh, It was basically the same speed as... uh, the speed that it was downloaded at was the speed of a that, that uh, the transfer rate of uh, of a USB two, uh, basically a USB key or stick. Uh, that that's what the data showed, and there was no way it was impossible, basically, for anybody to download that speed via an internet connection uh, in the US, and especially since it was claimed that it came from. Um, it it suggests that it came from outside the U.S., from Russia or Romania or somewhere, um, there's absolutely no way that it could have been downloaded at that speed. So it's pretty clear that it was, a, it was an inside job. And, you know, they ignore that information as well. Uh, so that, that's kind of basically blown out of the water for anybody with any sense. And then what else have you got? If, um, well, you've got, the, you've got a dodgy dossier that was produced that is laughable as a piece of a farcical piece of, of so-called intelligence uh, about, you know, Trump hiring prostitutes to pee on beds in, in Moscow. And, I mean, this, this guy, uh, Steele, you know, mi uh, my MF- MF- guy who supposedly put it together, uh, you know, he didn't even go to Russia. He didn't do any of the actual work himself. He basically called people that he knew, Russian nationals in the UK, and they called some people in Russia who then told them these stories. Uh, and they probably offered them money, you know. So imagine you get a call, you're some dude or whoever uh, in Russia, maybe, you know, at some level in the Russian government. And I mean, it's not the possibility here that the Russians actually knew what was going on and fed, uh, you know, nonsense information. But I mean, it's possible, but I don't don't think that's true. I just think that this guy has some dodgy, suspicious contacts. This guy has dodgy contacts in, in Russia who would uh, tell you whatever you want for money. And that's exactly what they did. And that's leaving aside the other possibility is that they just absolutely made it up from old cloth. But that, that dossier obviously is totally discredited. Not even the US intelligence agency would stand by any the information and it was just put out there as a smear campaign effectively. You know, you throw some, throw some crap at someone and, and it sticks even if it's proven to be true or sorry, proven to be false after the fact that the, you know, the, 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 the smear Still sticks to a person, which is what's happened with Trump. So you dismiss you dismiss that stupid dossier. You dismiss uh, the hacking of the of Clinton servers. You uh, and then the allegation that seventeen all of us and all of the U.S. different intelligence agencies uh, agreed that Russia probably hacked our election. Then you see there was actually only three, mm-hmm. and that the people who were uh, recruited basically to by Clinton, I suppose, to to make that statement. They were actually kind of hand picked Clintonistas to, to, to represent these three intelligence agencies to say, yes, Russia did it. Well, you dismiss that. And what have you got left in terms of that allegation that there's any collusion between Russia? Uh, and Trump or any evidence that Russia did anything to the presidential election, you have nothing. Well, what you're left with is the force that happened earlier this week in, uh, in, in Congress where you, had, where you had the embarrassing situation of these supposedly intelligent people in Congress and executives from Facebook and Twitter standing up there and having their aides put up these, <laughs> these laughable posts from Facebook and Twitter that there are examples of what we saw all across uh, Facebook and Twitter leading up to the president's election and since it, i.e., you know, memes that people created making fun of Clinton and Trump and promoting kind of divisive issues like, you know, Black Lives Matter and all this kind of stuff, basically all the stuff that's uh, getting people up in arms these days. This is what they put up there, and they... And they they're trying to say that Russia did all this, you know, and the only and the evidence they cl- they have they claim they have that Russia put up these particular posts, which are very typical classic type posts. Like I said, like there's one of Hillary, you know, like as the devil and Jesus with boxing gloves on and saying like, if you want Jesus to win, I mean, they're <laughs> like gonna say Russia did that. That is like straight out of the American Southern states, you know. I mean, obviously, but. <laughs> It's like okay, maybe Russia did do, maybe some Russian did do one of those, but do you think it, do you think it had any impact in the in the massive amount of similar posts that were being produced from ordinary people within the USA, and and that's, mm-hmm. that's across the board for every other meme that that they claim was was created by Russia. And of course, when they say that the, these were you know verified uh, you know Russian or Russia Russia linked accounts, what they actually mean is is that anybody. Uh, who ever logged on at any time uh, from Russia. That means that they're Russia-linked. And of course, the implication is that they're Kremlin-linked. So what they're really saying is that anybody on the internet who uses the internet and used Facebook or Twitter over the past two years from Russia is Kremlin-linked. Well, yeah, they are Kremlin-linked because they probably all pay their taxes to the Kremlin, but that's where the link probably ends. They're Kremlin-linked because they're Russian citizens. I mean, you have to go to the point where you assume that these people are saying that 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 the Kremlin and Putin himself controls all Russians across the massive Russian landmass. You know, way over in Kamchatka or some, you know, some uh, some guy in, a, in, in, in or in Siberia, you know. Uh, Freezing his ass off in a, in a hut, you know, with an internet connection, you know, he's he's a Kremlin troll as well. Not that he be has.
0: Up. I heard he has a sauna though. He's
3: all right. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I mean, it's just what's amazing about this. The, the amazing thing is, is that they present this evidence, and you're meant to believe, you're meant to take it seriously. They're taking it seriously. They're presenting this as serious evidence when it's laughable, farcical evidence. And because it's being repeated and presented to you as serious by the ministry of media, you have this kind of like, you know. Weird sensation in your brain, kind of thing. We go. I'm not. I'm sure a lot of other people have have the same. You know, where it's like, but I, I know it, it, it's coming from an authoritative source, but it's nonsense. So, what do you want me to do with that?
0: It's it's even bigger than that. If 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 they come up with that definition, um, of a Russian troll, being someone who's ever in, in Russian, speaks Russian, logged
3: on. You don't have to be speaking Russian, even. Right. um, In fact, if you don't speak Russian, you're even worse. You're almost definitely a Russian troll.
0: We know that their conception of it is is far bigger because we had Prop or Not, remember? Yeah. The Washington Post blacklist Mm -hmm. of 200 alternative sites, mostly US-based. And all these people are Kremlin trolls. The serious suggestion was that all these websites, SOT included, take money from the Russian government to spread stuff on behalf
3: of them. Mm. That's a serious network. I mean, are we talking major paranoia here? And where do you separate it out uh, Separate out, out in terms of people who, who have actually been infected by that paranoia and believe it because they're just susceptible to it, like members of Congress and stuff, or which members of them know that it's just a put-up job, it's just a complete propaganda effort and they're lying consciously, but we're doing it for uh, the interests of America. You know, we got to do this because we have to... What, we, what are they trying to do? We have to stop Russia, We have to demonize Russia and we have to stop Trump. We have to constrain Trump and demonize Russia. so therefore we have to tell these lies because it's in America's best interest.
0: I think it's going to be very hard to find intelligent consistency to answer that question to the, the question of oh paranoia ends and strategy begins. Yeah. So ask yourself why in June 2016, when this kicked off, why, why Russia? why do they finger Russia? Where did that come from? Okay, so they come up with a strategy, the big lie, and they're stuck with it now. Why would they have gone there in the first place? And I think the answer to that is vaguely like this. There will have been years prior where they're already aware of this thing called RT and Sputnik. And they don't understand the things it reports because it's kind of truthy. It's the truth. It's basically objective view of the world, more or less on most issues, Right. And it's so foreign to them that they get a kind of flavor or read on it. Mm. And so when they see a similar flavor or read coming from anywhere else, uh, it could be an alternative blogger in Kenya, doesn't matter where, they go, mm. oh, okay, I get the connection. They don't have the intelligence to, to, to look and analyze and separate and distinguish. Right. They're getting a flavor and they're going, that sounds Russian mm. in, in their mind, but actually... If they were normal human being, they'd be going. That sounds like it could be true. Mm. Russian is code for truth, basically. The way they've gone to set it up.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and and, <laughs> they, and and they hate the truth themselves. So that's why. I mean, it's paranoia. It's 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 it really is a sickness. It's it's scary and it's dangerous because it's this uh, it's this image of a person who's lost the plot and thinks that everybody's out to get them. And they're walking down the street and they see a guy sitting reading a newspaper and I think that guy's, he's watching me. And when, and every little gesture, you know, um, when they go into a store and the uh, the, the lady in the store says to them, uh, you know, have a nice day, I think. What did she mean by that? What did she mean by that? What's she trying to say?
0: We're all getting a...
3: a Is she saying I should have a nice day? Why would she want me to have a nice day?
0: We're all getting a crash course in in what Cold War paranoia was about.
3: Well, this is going beyond that, you know.
0: I, I think it has, but it's, it's it's similar. It's it's much more potent. It's come on faster, quicker, and it's really rampant. But, but this is what was taking place for decades, maybe on yeah. a lower level scale.
3: Yeah, and it's. But I say it's extremely. It's very dangerous in the sense that it's um it's dangerous for for America because you're you know working uh, a government in the grip of that kind of uh, Mm -hmm. uh, that illness, I suppose, uh, psychological illness, a mental illness, uh, where where would they go with that, you know, and uh, is there anybody to constrain them? You know, and that's why I wonder if there is someone who at least knows that it's all nonsense because in that situation, then at least that person or that group of people at least maintain some level of sanity. But it's when it becomes a real mental illness in terms of paranoia and these people actually believe that Russia is doing this when they're not, well then they've lost all touch with reality and and, well that's obviously, you know, many bad things can happen uh, when people like that have have the reins of power, you know so in this situation it would almost be better if all these people involved in promoting this Russian collusion story knew full well uh, that it was nonsense and they were doing it consciously because at least it suggests that they're sane uh, they're liars, uh, but at least they're still saying because they know they're liars, they know they're lying, and they're doing it for a specific reason. But yeah.
0: The reason. Go ahead. Sorry, can I just say to me that the reason we should explain why the. You described them as executives. They were actually lawyers, but okay, whatever. They're, well, they're, yeah, they're the representatives. Group, they're
3: there all the time, and they're yeah. watching everything. They're the best people in the best position to know. Yeah. Uh, what well, they should not shouldn't these say. These guys it. were here
0: for Twitter and Facebook you mentioned and Google mm-hmm. even bigger than those two.
3: Um,
0: the reason they were called up this week was because they were to uh, share the findings of their report which had been called for in September
3: mm-hmm.
0: by Congress into the extent of Russian ads.
3: Russian manipulation of the American mind. Russian manipulation
0: Twitter. of the American mind. So they came up <laughs> And they presented their findings to Congress. All we, all we remember is that is how crazy that that, uh, that session was. Mm-hmm. But the findings of the report, <laughs> obviously they buried them in the news, but uh, they revealed that 0.74% in Twitter's case of content had been in any way, had been paid for. Boosted or whatever by the Russian by RT, uh-huh. and in Facebook's case, point zero 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 four percent. Yeah, that that should have floored. That should have in any any sane conversation, mm. they would have gone, oh Jesus! Somebody should have rolled their eyes and said, "Well, we're embarrassed now because the whole reason for having this conversation with you three executives right now was, you know, to make this look really bad I and mean, we look like idiots." Mm. No, they turned around and they said. Explain to me, please, why RT has not yet been banned from YouTube. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. banned outright, not stopped advertising Mm -hmm. or put controls on them in some way, just simply kicked off the platform. Mm -hmm. That's scary. We're We're getting into,
3: like, pure
0: censorship territory here. But, you see,
3: from their their perspective, they would look at that 0.4% and 0.04%, whatever, um, influence that RT and Spotify, whatever, had on Facebook and Twitter, and say, okay, so you're saying they actually had an influence. <laughs> that's bad. That's pretty bad. Uh, and but from their in their twisted minds, they would think, well, given and, and with the examples that were presented of of the posts on Facebook and Twitter, um, they would say, well, that's all you need. You only need 0.74 percent because then it spreads. So and that's why they put up these various different types of, of ads as examples, you know, um, like one attacking, some of them attacking Clinton from a, you know, a kind of conservative Christian perspective, you know, Jesus in a boxing match with Clinton. Um, and then others, there others that attack Trump. Uh, but of course that would be, you know, maybe that's some trying to cover their, cover their tracks by, you know, to hide the fact that they were supporting Trump, they put up someone that had to You Trump, because you can never be too careful with these Russians, you know, they're very devious. And and then others that showed, uh, were, were posters or, or memes supporting Black Lives Matter, and then others uh, supporting policemen against uh, Black Lives Matter groups, claiming that Black Lives Matter groups have been attacking and shooting cops. And um, so they have expanded it out to basically more than just uh, trying to influence the outcome of the election in favor of Trump, but that the Russians for a long time have been uh, producing these kind of uh, this kind of propaganda on Facebook and Twitter that is designed to divide American society, you know, along racial divisions or you know basically like equality divisions effectively or uh, social justice divisions that all of the problems that we've seen kind of uh, in the US, like at a social level in the US over the past number of years, that all of those potentially have been created by Russia. And you only need one of these posts to start the ball rolling. They're not saying that Russia produced all of those posts on Facebook and Twitter. They're saying they just produced one. And that one was like taking the bomb into the building because it gained traction because Americans themselves would never have thought to put up a picture of Jesus in a boxing match with Hillary Clinton. <laughs> Americans haven't the capacity to do that because, you know, nobody nobody really hates Clinton and didn't hate Clinton until the Russians and introduced this idea. And most of them voted idea. for it, right? Right. Uh, and also, you know, black people never really, black American African Americans never had any problem with police in the U.S. until Russia... Mm -hmm. First introduced those ads onto Twitter and Facebook. Mm -hmm. That's what we're dealing with here, folks. The question, the follow-up question. The follow-up question I would have
0: had is: Okay, so this, um, this meme where Clinton is Satan and Trump is Jesus was devised by a scheming Russian. Yeah. Okay. How did the scheming Russian induce everyone to like it in support of the notion that? That is as it is that Hillary's evil and Trump isn't.
3: Well, they, they know. They how know.
0: do they get the? How do they actually convince Americans to subsequently vote the right way? <laughs> you know what I
3: mean? Cause well, but, well, because because they they've done many years of analyses of of American America's psychological profile or the psychological profile of the average American citizen. Maybe they have the Kremlin working on this, Neil. You know, the Kremlin. You know what I'm talking about? Right? Right, yeah. Right, the Kremlin, right? The Kremlin. Right, does that not strike fear into your heart? I mean, just the extent of, of you know, what the Kremlin is, is is capable of, I mean, it's it's unimaginable. And they probably, for decades maybe, probably going back to, you know, the Bolshevik Revolution. Oh, yeah. They had uh, people analyzing uh, the, the kind of gaps or the holes or the the, the weak points in American Psychological profile, and, and they've been exploiting it ever since. And it's the culmination of a grand plan to take down America from the inside.
0: The Bolshevik Revolution. You know, they've been very quiet about the about marking that event. The centenary is this week. Yeah. Apparently, the Kremlin's, you know, very low key. There's no official celebrations
3: over it. Hmm. Yeah. RT has been doing their Paris, you've been enjoying that. Or uh, RT has been doing its Kind of live tweeting yeah. of of that. I wonder if that hasn't got a particular agenda, you know, uh, in terms of presenting things in a certain way, and for the Russian people, you know, rather yeah. than glorifying, you know, the the Bolshies and stuff, they want to actually kind of push that chapter of history, you know, further away, you know. Yeah. Um. No, the the other thing that w- the other thing that we're, we're we found interesting was the other big kind of bombshell, I suppose, was with the Manafort indictment and then John Podesta uh, resigning from his own lobbying firm because Podesta was being, uh, the Podestas were being investigated as well by Mueller because they had direct links to Manafort uh, specifically and the main charge against Manafort there didn't seem to be any real charge against him It were kind of like, you know Pretty silly charges that usually would be dismissed or, or not taken taken seriously. But they're trying to obviously everybody's been saying they're just doing this trampled pressure on Manafort to try and get some information out of them, You know, they say, listen, usually we wouldn't prosecute these, but in your case, we're going to make an exception unless you fill in the blank. Uh, so, but in, in in doing that, they've been looking into what Manafort has been doing over the past years. And Manafort since 2005 or 2006 has been had been working with um, Yanukovych, the Ukrainian. Uh, Ukrainian president, a pro-Russian Ukrainian president, and uh, Manafort and his lobbying firm were basically doing what lobbying firms in Washington do, which is they uh, set out their stall all around the world say, hi, I'm a Capitol Hill lobbyist. I have access to America, to the American government, to all of America, to the power structure. Uh, What would you like? Is there anything you would like from America? And people all around the world, you know, people in in, in governments or, or whatever business all around the world say, yes. Here's my shopping list. Can you do this, 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 and this? And Manafort and people like him would say, "Okay, no problem. We can get that done for you. Just uh, sign, you know, sign here and, and write the check for you know X millions of dollars." That's what lobbyists do. They basically they're kind of like the middlemen for the for the for Congress and for the Senate. <clears throat> they they go out and uh, drum up business uh, and and essentially make Congress people rich. And senators Rich uh, by getting by by uh, peddling favors effectively from the American government to other governments in the world. So this is what Manafort was doing for Yanukovych uh, to try and Unkovich uh, was wanted to get rid of, uh, had jailed uh, Timoshenko and uh, American. Some people in America and in, in Congress were complaining about it, saying it was very bad and stuff. And he wanted to get Unkovich wanted Manafort to kind of, you know, shut them up, you know. Uh, get support for, for Yanukovych what he was doing and not criticize him too much. You know, there were sanctions, talk about sanctions and stuff against Yanukovych for yelling Timoshenko. So that was one thing I'm sure he was doing lots of other things. In fact he was doing a lot of other things um in terms of uh, not just for Timoshenko but he was Manafort was had his people in there um kind of giving a makeover to the Ukrainian government under Yanukovych and making it more generally more um appealing let's say to the world you know um that's that's the job he was doing but the the thing revealed as a result of muller's indictment of manafort and his looking into this was that podesta was working directly with manafort in doing this as well so podesta the podestas and their lobbying firm were working for the the nuclear pitch government and the 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 claim in the media anyway i don't know if muller's saying this but the claim in the media obviously manafort is being indicted in the context of trump's collusion with russia and the link here is that Manafort was Trump's campaign manager for a couple of months. And Manafort had a history of working with Yanukovych. And Yanukovych has had a uh, strong, was pretty much Russian aligned, you know, mostly. So therefore, Manafort, Trump, Yanukovych, Russia, there's your ties. But now you have to throw Podesta in the middle of that. And Podesta is Clinton's campaign manager. And he's in the middle of it. And he also now has a history of direct ties to Putin through Yanukovych. Mm-hmm. He was. But Podesta, Clinton's campaign manager and the, you know, the guy who was her, her right hand man was working for the Russians, with the Russians in the same way Manafort was and the interesting thing about it is that this happened uh, or what came out was that what, what Manafort and Podesta were doing for Yanukovych also was uh, was right around the time of the, the Maidan protest which Ended up overthrowing Yanukovych and was basically a U.S. State Department kind of CIA, CIA um, sponsored coup in Ukraine. Um, and um, was it, it was Manafort, um, yeah, Manafort's daughter is on record apparently as saying that in, in some email that was found or leaked, or whatever that she was saying to someone that you know what he was involved in, referring to her father. That he was his people or him are, were involved in in those that Maidan uh, demonstration and protest that led to a uh, hundred people being killed, and she explicitly kind of says that you know he be, he has blood on his hands, but um, the point is that the Podestas were directly involved in that as well. So you ha- here you have Manafort and Podesta working for Yanukovych for several years from 2005, and then in 2014, leading up to 2014. You have them apparently using their those 10 years of inside information of working inside Ukraine and for several years with Yanukovych, uh, they have them using that knowledge and that in, in Ukraine to facilitate a deep state overthrow. So they basically turned on the guy who'd been paying them for the past 10 years because they were ordered to by the State Department and the CIA. And... Um, I think Manafort or his lawyers, or whatever, have said that everything they did in terms of, you know, uh, dealing with the leaders of foreign countries, they passed it all by the State Department first. So everything these guys are doing, these lobbyists are doing in Washington, are all it's all known that what they're doing by the State Department has been known. So the idea that has been known. So the idea that they would bring it out now and say, "Oh my God, what have you been doing?" is is a complete joke, right? It's a farce. So. Um, but the whole timeline is very interesting. Though, that they're basically they're more or less implicated in that. Of course, you're not going to see the mainstream media talking about this, but they're implicated in the Maidan demonstrations and and the, and the shootings that that led to the overthrow of Yanukovych, um, <clears throat> and the attempt to obviously in that the attempt to kind of seize Crimea uh, from uh, from Russia and Russia's response to it. Um, and then one extra data point was why did that happen? So why did they suddenly turn? And why did that Maidan, why did that coup in Ukraine happen? Well, it happened in February 2014, but in September 2013, when there was no talk of any kind of uh, protests or mass demonstrations, you know, to, to overthrow Yanukovych. In September, that was the date when uh, Congress under Obama and the, and the British Parliament had a vote or they had been building up with their, just earlier in that year, Assad's chemical weapons attacks against their people. Crossed the red line. And it was building up to the point of having another NATO, quote-unquote, bombing campaign to blow the crap out of Syria in the same way they did in Libya. And in September, if you remember, behind the scenes, and we don't have all the details exactly how it happened, but behind the scenes, Russia nixed that and forced them, you know, you would never have had a vote or you might have had a vote, but the fact that they had a vote and they voted against it is evidence of just how strong uh, Russia's case was behind the scenes saying, listen, you're not going to do the same thing to Syria for these reasons. We can speculate as to what those reasons were, but there were strong enough reasons to force Congress uh, in uh, in the US and, and the British Parliament to back down on bombing Syria. And of course, they officially backed down and um, Russia gave them an opportunity to save face by saying that they would take care of Syria's chemical weapons. And they said, okay, as long as you take care of those weapons, we'll not do the bombing. But behind the scenes, you can imagine that they were seriously pissed. Because their plan was, we want to bomb the crap out of Libya, we're going straight out into, into Syria. We're going straight into Syria after we did Libya. It worked so well in Libya, we're going to do it in Syria. And they were stopped by Russia. That was in September 2013. Russia stops them. The, the deep staters are seriously pissed. And within a month, you have the beginnings of this mass demonstrations and uprising in Ukraine that culminates in February two thousand fourteen, and through all of that, you have Manafort and John Podesta in in Ukraine in the middle of it.
0: Actually, within two weeks of the um, the the backing down of launching airstrikes against Syria, John McCain was in kiev with some other senators names gives me launching effectively launching maidan
3: yeah
2: well that sort of gets back to that's the all question the stuff you're not going to hear Why, why hillary clinton actually uh said you know we we've been uh, victims of a russian hack i mean this was a kind of signal to the deep state that she was quite happy to be going along with this narrative And, you know, she had, A, a perfect scapegoat uh, for for the reason why the uh, WikiLeaks information came out. And uh, she kills two birds with one stone. She gets to say it's the Russians. So, in effect, she's saying, I'm your guy, Deep State. You know, if you you were ever unsure of that, here I am Mm. claiming that it's Russia. Russia's the bad guy. And... uh, because she knows that that uh, the deep state is is gunning for for Russia at this point and uh, mm. it's it's this very convenient uh, excuse that that can now be used as part of the narrative for demonizing Russia
0: and they know they know that um, this is a dangerous thing that's exposed because Tony Podesta has resigned from this Podesta consulting group mm. Uh <clears throat> I mean, that, that in like, itself should if, be a freaking scandal. Though.
3: Yeah, if you, but it's not. That's the thing. This is the thing we're up against all the time is that this stuff is happening and the media is not giving it uh, the, the, the due attention that, that it should get because it's the real story. They're, they're focusing on the fake, false, fake news story over and over again. And every time a real story actually comes out that points to what's really happening, what's really going on, it's silence. They just ignore it. It doesn't happen. I mean, how do you deal with that, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's got really bad, you know? I mean, at least in the past, we th- they had to at least give lip service to, to, to stories or issues or problems or exposures that came up, uh, and then we could use them to, to flesh it out and fill out the full story because they'd only ever produce a limited hangout or a half story or spin the story in some way when we could unspin it. But now they're just completely ignoring the corruption and the, and the truth of what act- is actually happening. So... Didn't it emerge last
0: week that um, it was Clinton who basically hired this private intel firm
3: Fusion GPS? Right. Well, that's the other thing about the about the dodgy dossier. This guy Steele was was calling. You know, have someone else call someone in Russia to produce this ridiculous dossier? He's paid $125,000 to produce this piece of crap, basically that a kind of sixth grader or something could have could have scrawled on a piece of paper. You know, it's it's ridiculous. You know, it's the lurid fantasies of some kind of deep state backroom boy or something, you know. Um, or lured fantasy of Hillary Clinton. <clears throat> um, the the thing is that she paid this is a, a criminal aspect of it were a misuse of campaign funds because she she took basically people don, donators money donors' money to to her campaign and to the DNC and she paid for this dossier. And he was she paid him. But um, there were other groups involved as a kind of middlemen who also got a crap load of money. She ended up paying something like, what was it, $12 million or something um, in total for this dossier. Well,
0: that's what, went, um, to the,
1: that's what went to the law firm that that hired Fusion GPS. So we don't know right, how mid- much actually went to the, to the dossier.
0: And we'll never know because a judge appointed by Obama, well, he was still president, has uh, this week sealed yeah. all the bank records of this deal.
3: Right, mm-hmm. Well, yeah, so there's a middleman that like goes that she gives money to a law firm uh, to give it to Fusion GPS who then gives it to a few other groups who and end up indirectly paying this guy, this MI, MI6 MI idiot uh, who produces this nonsense. I mean, um, I would say a lot of that money actually went went to paying people in Russia to, uh, to make stuff up and they did it willingly. Because, you know, there are plenty of people around the world who say, Care, hey, can you, do you have some kind of credentials? Yeah, I'm a low level whatever in some part of the Russian government, or not even a businessman, even, you know. <clears throat> if I give you half a million dollars, would you <clears throat> be able to tell me something about Donald Trump during the time that he was in Russia? Um, probably, yeah, I could do that. Yeah. Oh, and the juicier ex- the better, ex- yeah. <laughs> yeah, have you got juicy stuff here? Yeah. I mean, that's probably where most of that money went was, was, was. I mean, they paid, we know that they paid this guy, steal $125,000, but all he did was just basically collect this data, you know, or he had, like the the report is that he didn't actually, he had some contacts maybe from way back when he was working for MI6 officially uh, in Russia whatever, but he didn't actually go there. He didn't do any research himself. He got people russian nationals who could speak russian because apparently he can't even speak russian properly right so he call, he gets some friends of his who are russian nationals who speak fluent russian to call someone in russia and say got any dirt on trump yeah okay just write that down and send it to me in an email and i'll send you a, a wire transfer for you know 50 grand um and people are being paid off all across the board you know um i wouldn't totally surprised if all of it went on that. But that's a misuse of campaign funds, basically, a lack of transparency in campaign funds. Um, but that's... me, uh, eh, whatever. Moving on. Trump colluded. Just keep saying Trump colluded with Russia. Trump colluded with Russia. Trump colluded with Russia.
0: It's very infectious. Um, this week, Guy Verhofstadt, he's the former Prime Minister of Belgium, total liberal hawk in the European Parliament, um, and the so-called chief negotiator, on behalf of the EU with Britain in the Brexit negotiations, which are another sham in themselves, tweets this week, Putin's agents tried to influence the US election. Full stop. We need to know if they interfered in the Brexit vote too. Mm. Are you, you're not serious? And this is a great example of, this isn't a conspiracy, this is where, it just takes a like-minded person to pick up the paranoia in the air. Of course, he wouldn't read it as paranoia. We can see it from the outside that it is paranoia, but he picks up this, there's something already established in the air and like-minded types everywhere. And um, go with the lie because it's, it has their own uses. You can see the use in this case, because there are already lots of um, efforts behind the scenes, mostly for now in the UK to, retrospectively frame Brexit as a Russian plot to divide Britain from the EU and so this is just the EU going yeah okay that's probably useful to us too let's see if we can you know take advantage of it and you see you see where it comes from as well and this is an, another in unconnected uh, event that precedes all of these events this is pre-US election last year I think it was in 2015 a top secret top secret joke Um, top secret report was leaked um, written by I think NSA uh, leaked to the British Daily Telegraph in which they had unveiled a major (laughs) Kremlin plot to subvert every country in Europe Hmm. by positioning agents all over the place and they said that what their strategy what the goal of Russia, what was to do was to divide Europe Mm. to divide it from the US to divide it in on itself mm. and so it, they come up with this after the fact because that's already been happening for a while divisiveness over anything from policy in the Middle East to mm-hmm. refugees to Washington's wars these agreements, disagreements are getting more and more serious all the time to the point of creating serious tensions in Europe to the point of having a Brexit where one country leaves the European mm-hmm. Union and so they, they, rather than dealing with the situation, they will create this
3: mm.
0: overarching meta-narrative.
3: Yeah, because re- if you read between the lines of all of this that's happening, it, what, what's actually going on behind the scenes that people are aware of that they're producing these narratives uh, as a result of is, is that Russia is very definitely threatening the West and America's grip on Europe and Mar- America's grip on the Middle East and uh um, between Russia and China, they're threatening America's grip on Asia and pretty much, so much effectively the rest of the world. So America is, the American century effectively is under serious attack uh, right now and has been for a few years, uh, from primarily from Russia uh, under Putin. And they know this, they feel this, they see it happening all the time. And this is their response. Because they can't do anything directly to stop Russia doing what it's doing because Russia is simply doing what, what is, is natural for any country to do, which is to, you know, take its rightful place uh, in, in the world order and, and do business and do deals. And uh, and they hate that because it's a direct threat to American and Western kind of hegemony. Uh, and they so they know that and they've known that for a long time. But everything that we're seeing now in terms of attacking Russia in this puerile kind of childish way, you know. You know, Putin did this Putin killed everybody Putin did everything bad that, that ever happened to anybody and everything that goes wrong today is, is Putin's fault and that's a response uh, that's what we're seeing as a response but behind the scenes there are I would I would hope that there are people who actually you know have analyzed it and, and we know there are people who know or uh, talk about the real uh, threat the real details of the threat as they see it from from Russia but it's not a justified it's not justified in, in calling it a threat except position of someone who has uh, ruled uh, ruled the world basically um, un, unopposed and has committed uh, has has mis mismanaged or misruled the world for, for quite a long time and someone else comes along and challenges them for that position or tries to create a different kind of world where they're no longer in that position um, and and that's you know that's what they understand that's what they see and it's real and it's true. But everything that they're saying in terms of the response uh, as an attempt to attack Russia, to, to strike back at Russia, is at this level of childish, stupid propaganda. Because that's all they've got. That's as clear as day, is that they do not have anything else. And Russia, probably Putin, probably every day, when he looks at the next, the latest thing that has been said about Russia, he says, is that all they got? You know, it's that, it's that kind of cliched role of, you know, somebody saying, is that all you got? You know, really, is that it? because um, that is, because if they had more they would have been doing it, even if it wasn't publicly doing it behind the scenes, you would see uh, think bad things happening to Russia right, uh, but you don't see anything bad happening to Russia you see Russia just going from strength to strength across the board but I suppose they also see that they, these people, it's a recognition what they're saying about Russia is recognition of the value and the importance that they place and that they understand, the importance that, um, that uh, narrative or Truth or uh, propaganda actually has in in winning any kind of a war or uh, becoming a, a, a you know a, a new superpower or leading the world or taking over uh, any part of the world is um, or, or gaining influence in any part of the world. Let's say the the role that uh, the very important role that propaganda has because that's the level that they're waging this war on right now.
0: The level of moral authority. Yeah. Yeah. Well and just to, to come back to
3: the <clears throat> the ads,
1: the Facebook and you know Twitter ads that got revealed this week. Um, if you actually look at them, I mean one thing we didn't say is that the ads themselves, the memes, are really bad. Like there's nothing there's nothing persuasive about them. There's nothing about them that would actually make them viral. In fact, they released the stats for all for all the ads. And if you do the math, it had like each ad had an average of of likes in like the the low hundreds. I think it was like any like 300 to 800 somewhere in there. Let's just like around 500. Mm. So these these ads weren't even successful. And I think they said only two or three of them had likes in the in the thousands and even then it was like 6 or 7,000. So none of these actually went like super viral. It's not like you could look at any one of these ads and say um. Oh yeah, I remember that one. That was, you know, that was a really good one. I remember sharing that. You know, I oh, I, I can't believe it was actually from Russia. No, you look at these ads. I don't, I don't remember seeing any of them in my Facebook nope. feeds. Like nothing, None of them are recognizable. And the only right. one that is recognizable is the one that you know, coincidentally or not coincidentally, the one you mentioned about with Hillary's face on the on the devil and Jesus, you know, about to punch her. It's because mm-hmm. it's funny. And so the only the, the only reason people would share that one, which I'm guessing might have been one of the the viral ones, but they didn't specify, was because it was funny. That's it. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. when we're looking at at the propaganda a- angle, this wasn't even successful propaganda.
3: The only how about when people <laughs> laugh at something,
1: <laughs> yeah, they're laughing because it's already funny, right? It's not going to change their
3: mind. And anyone that's that's oh, uh, you don't understand. Uh, you don't know just how deep yeah, yeah. Kremlin. I Kremlin psychological profiling goes. They yeah. know a lot more about how yeah. people's minds work than yeah, you can right. ever no. imagine.
1: No, but I think I think you're right about that in a different way, and that the the really successful propaganda is from Sputnik and an RT. Exactly, is because it's it's just truthful news. That's why right. you know our site, you know, gets conflated with with Russians because mm-hmm. we just say the same thing because we're looking for the truth, and RT happens to right. most of the time give like a, a more objective view of what's going on. Yeah. So that's why there is so this.
3: The Amer- go ahead. I was just going to say the American establishment, of the deep state, is terrified of the truth. Right, and because so they realize that it's it's fired. the worst enemy. It's absolutely mm-hmm. the worst enemy is, is that anybody would have the capacity to widely disseminate the truth, that counters their bullshit narrative, that mm-hmm. their bullshit narratives that have been spinning for decades now. And it's horrifying to them and they don't know what to do about it. Mm-hmm. And all they can do is try and demonize it by saying it's Russian, evil Russian propaganda. They're saying the truth is evil Russian propaganda. Mm-hmm. Um, and people go, meh looks like the truth to me and they're like no
1: Shut <laughs> up! On, we've lost them to the russians another russian mind control job yeah. but yeah. well the, the but the and what one of the consequences of this is that it forces them to make utterly stupid statements now mm. um so just an example of a type of utterly stupid statement that they make not related to RT and Sputnik is when someone like um, the Canadian foreign minister says that C- Canada doesn't engage in regime change, which is something that, you know, big American people like I'm sure uh, Nikki Haley and others have, have said that in the past several months, which is just a total lie. There's, mm. um, you know, countless numbers of examples in recent years and going back decades of the exact opposite of Canada and the United States engaging in re- regime change and officially admitting it. And so they say that, um, you know, Sputnik and RT are these um, state-managed, you know, foreign propaganda propaganda networks that are operating in the United States and um, somehow subverting our democracy by telling the news and that's a bad thing and they should be banned and what they don't mention is that they have that the united states has their very own propaganda arm run by the united states government that operates in foreign countries called radio free europe radio liberty mm. and um we just put an up put up an article yesterday by gordon Hahn, who we had on the show um, he's like a you know a think tank kind of analyst guy and the title of the article was something like um, Who's Interfering and Who's um, you know, Domestic Affairs or, or, or whatever. And he just, he uses the example of Radio Free Europe and points out how, well, first of all, he gives a few, few examples of the multiple ways in which America has openly admitted to interfering in Russian politics. That includes directly funding Yeltsin's 1996 campaign for a Russian president. That includes right. Um, the operation of RFERL in Russia and in the ex-Soviet uh, republics. And then he gives examples of what they actually do at rfe Because if you look at the things that RT does, they're relatively benign. They just basically tell stories, like you know, tell the news. And that's pretty like most of the stuff on RT that you that you see will just be news that you can find anywhere else. Now they will have um, you know a, mm-hmm. um, an, a smaller percentage of their stories are stuff that you won 't find anywhere else and they 're like basically right. news from Russia, things you won 't hear about, but they 're still just as objectively reported and then of course, you have the the um, the editorials, which are um, let's say more anti american more critical of the American government than um, than the mainstream u s media but are no mm-hmm. no less critic or no more critical than any number of you know american based sources. But then if you look at what RFERL does, um, he quotes like three stories by Liz Fuller. I'm pretty sure Liz Fuller was re- is related to Graham Fuller. I can't remember if, if if it's his daughter or not. It might be just a, another um, Fuller. But he gives three examples of articles she wrote and, and, and cites dozens more um, by her and other RFERL writers where they were g- giving direct support to all of the jihadist Chechens throughout like the the early 2000s and late 90s and basically like writing eulogies for these guys and how great they are and mm. and talking about how the you know the, the the great fatherly emirs of the 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 Chechen independence movement and these guys had like direct ties to terrorists they were terrorists mm-hmm. and they and this she wrote this one article days after um like a suicide bombing in in Russia that killed that, that was run by, or that was like planned by one of these guys she was praising. And, um, and just months after one of the, um, um, subway station, like bombings, I think that it killed like 120 people. And so RFE RL, RL has been like, uh, the cheerleaders for, for, for Muslim terrorists in Russia, um, for years. And, uh, and then of course there are the, the, um, probably well-founded allegations that the U.S. gave direct support to to the Chechen separatists, um, you know, as the or freedom fighters mm-hmm. they're called in the West for years, like in the in the late 90s and early 2000s, and that is direct, um, you know, direct interference in the foreign in, in in the affairs of a of a sovereign country to the extent of of um, supporting.
3: Terrorism, terrorists who are attacking, the, <laughs> attacking the government, yeah,
1: right, and killing civilians, right, and and then the U.S. and like these people, like today, have the gall to like to say that RT should be banned. Well, for what? Like, look at what you've right. done. It's,
3: yeah, it's, but, it's totally but here's 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 the answer to that. Harrison, though, is that implicit? Uh, you could draw that, and I'm sure if if you can draw that parallel and say you know Radio Free Europe and you know American propaganda outlets and stuff, um, but. Implicit in, in them in them not say, saying that RT is is evil and should be banned and not you know referring to the, their own uh, efforts in the same direction mm-hmm. of spreading propaganda. Implicit in that is the idea, of, as Neil was talking about earlier on, is, a not, is the moral authority that uh, when 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 America or the Western countries uh, engage in propaganda or say certain things, or whatever, against someone or, or spin the news, or whatever, it's done for the purpose of uh, the free peoples of, or freeing the people of the world, or whatever, or freeing an oppressed people. So everything they do has this implied, uh, and it's very important to them as uh, implied moral authority. Um, whereas this is why they're they're attempting to, they're really trying and have been for for the past few years, trying to tarnish anything that comes out of Russia as having no moral authority whatsoever. They they want to reduce that down in, in the public's mind to yeah uh, this is gutter press pure evil kremlin putin dictator propaganda evil 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 whereas we cnn you know are merely t- attempting to you know inform the people of the world about you know certain things and to free them type thing you know i mean obviously it's just a narrative obviously or it's it's just one sub- it's their subjective opinion and you'd have to look at the actual details of what happens as a result you know but um, that's, that's the, the thing that they're relying on, and that's what the thing that they're, they're high on, effectively, mm. and convinced of, is their own moral authority. And it extends into everything America does, for example, and uh, everything it does on the world stage, all of its media, all, everything the government does, everything the government has ever done, everything the military does, is all imbued with uh, a morality, uh, freedom, and democracy morality, right? And, and it's, it's extremely pernicious and extremely, extremely, because it's tr- extremely effective at convincing people that, you know, these bombs that are falling in your head are going to free you. And uh, these sh- soldiers that are kicking down your door and, you know, shooting your family are here to free you. Uh, and people have, 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 you know, have drunk that Kool-Aid a long time ago. And, um, and that's the battle that's going on, you know? Mm. Um, they recognize that it's all about propaganda, but our propaganda is good propaganda, whereas their propaganda is bad propaganda. Well, okay. That's what you claim, and that's they claim that theirs is good. You claim yours is good. You know what? Let's, How about you both duke it out
0: in a fair and open fight let's in the just, free market of ideas? No. Yes, present your information. It's our market.
3: Right. Everybody present their information and let the public decide. No, because the public is not capable of deciding for itself because the public mind is too weak and can be influenced by that evil propaganda that we're saying is evil. Well, hang on a minute, maybe you're, you know, maybe you're dismissing the average person too easily there. Why don't you take a risk, let's say, and just put the information out there and trust in the fact that people will be able to discern, roughly speaking, the truth from the lies? No, because then we're screwed. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, all that's left unsaid, but it's, it's, it's dripping off everything. Every new scandal that breaks out is like it's there, you know.
3: They can't keep the truth down is a problem. The truth is breaking out all over the place, and these people are on the run. They are crapping their pants, and and you know they just don't know what to do. And it's it's sad, pathetic, distressing, confusing, annoying, and a little bit scary, I suppose. But um, you can't stop the truth, you know. That's what's happening. At, at least at least a version of the truth or at least more truth than has ever been seen at least in recent history is, is coming out and the, the people in the dark you know, the people who don't like the light there's basically a light effectively of truth being shown in the dark corners of some places and they are scurrying around like rats
0: well, yeah, this, unfortunately, this
2: reminds me a little bit of a, a book I just started uh, which is mentioned on our SOT discussion forum uh, and I forget the name. I think it's Inside the Criminal Mind, maybe Harrison. You remember?
1: I think that's what it's called.
2: Yeah, and and uh, like one of the things he mentions is that uh, criminals, if you bring this down to an individual level, um, they continue to lie to people even when they don't have to, because there's a sense of uh, power or control uh, right. that they that they feel will be relinquished if they if they don't continuously lie. So, you know, at, at one level, there is this pathological addiction to their lies and to the knowledge that they have something over the people that they're lording over. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that comes into play. And uh, just bringing this back to, to the uh, House and Senate Intelligence Committee hearings of last Wednesday, where, um, where these guys from Google and, and Facebook and, uh, and um, I think, Twitter we're being interviewed, you know, you have statements by people like uh, Senator Dianne Feinstein uh, saying, I don't think you get it. A, catacly- mm-hmm. a cataclysmic change in American politics has happened. The beginning of cyber warfare. Uh, and you really have to take a look at that and, and what role you play. So they're, they're, they're exercising their power over these executives who are, who are looking at this uh, information and these stats more or less objectively And they're saying, no, you better be hysterical. You better, you better follow the line here. And this is how you have to think about it. Um, And, and that's the extent to which this pathological groupthink exists inside this, inside Washington. And, and and they're, they're like the mafia. They're like, uh, this is the, this is the narrative and you stick to it, buddy. And all of the uh, Congress and, and, congressmen and senators who were involved in this uh, discussion with, with these uh, lawyers uh, all pretty much repeated the same thing in one form or another. Um, so they're pounding on these guys to tow the party line. And, and they're saying, this is the cost of doing business. You, you follow this.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, yesterday Mitch McConnell was interviewed and uh, He's taking it to the next step. He says, quote, what we ought to do with regard to the Russians is retaliate, seriously retaliate against the Russians. Um, And these tech firms, Facebook, Twitter, Google, could be helpful in giving us a way to do that. So they're going to lean big time. I mean, they already are leaning on them, but they're going to lean on social media platforms to cooperate openly with them in what, fighting the war against Russia?
3: Right, but we do know what that means. Functionally, what that's going to mean is because they're not going to really be able to do anything against Russia. What they're what they're locking down on there is the is the American mind and Western Western population people's access to information. They're going to stop. Uh, they're going. They may go as far as to actually, you know, banning. a verdict, already stopped uh, RT obviously from um, advertising on on Twitter, um, but that's going to go further, and they're probably going to start tailoring. The information more so than they already are tailoring information that is available to people in western countries we
0: saw that after las vegas massacre Mm. they went on record as saying well we we've tweaked the google search results to make sure that all anything conspiracy-like is doesn't appear
3: down yeah yeah
0: Um, (laughs) they're admitting it yeah no problem they're they're also booting certain people just straight off um mark dice i think has been booted off Mm -hmm. twitter for sure maybe youtube as well anyone they don't like yeah, uh, it, it and could, it'll all come under this.
3: It could. You're talking about just plain, plain old cen- censorship here where you, where you get to the yeah. point where people will no longer have access and they're going to justify uh, denying people access to another viewpoint uh, on the basis of this is evil Russian or whatever uh, information that is is negatively is damaging our country, damaging our democracy, yeah. damaging the lives of everybody in this country, and therefore, for your own good, I have to stop you getting access to information because you're only a child and you can't uh, think for yourself. Uh, you're vulnerable, and I have to protect you. And I will lock down, uh, you know, everything that uh, that that you get access to. I mean, it could go to the point. You can see this is the beginning of it can could be the beginning of of real totalitarian type censorship where yeah. it will happen slowly and I suppose, and although relatively quickly in the, in the context of protecting people and people won't be, you know, uh, there's already been a mind job done on, on many people in Western countries already and in the US, but um, it, it can get worse to the point where people don't even know anymore that they're not getting access to information. Yeah, slowly,
0: slowly. If they do too suddenly, you might shock and be be seen, but they would probably tweak it slowly. Another avenue they're exploring is to um, get people ground up in the legal system and that's probably going to be the most pernicious and the most effective. You're going to hit people's pocketbooks. So there's an idea mooted that anyone posting certain political content, whether it's on Facebook, Twitter, uh, could face libel suits for, quote, spreading fake news. Mm. And of course, whatever that is legislated or precedent is set, right. it will come under the catch all, you know, in protecting the national interests.
2: The Ministry of Truth. Or they're going to do it very yeah. quietly. There, there's a website to, that okay? we, uh, we, we post articles from from time to time called World Socialist Website. And uh, Google has basically found a way to uh, drop articles of theirs driving down their uh, their traffic 74 um so it's already begun um i don't know if they were one of those sites mentioned in proper not uh or not uh but they're certainly uh of, of the same kind of truth telling um sources of information and they're already being kicked out of the you know google traffic so it's, right. being, it's being done quietly. It's being done loudly. It, it, they're finding all kinds of avenues for, for taking out alternative uh, uh, information that's going to that's gonna uh, put a crack in the narrative of, uh, of U.S. Hege- hegemony.
0: Right. It's going to be horrible.
3: Yeah.
0: Well, you, next few years.
3: you tend to think that uh, it's possible that the way we do things on, on SATA in terms of providing information, is, is a better way, and, and provides us some kind of a level of of uh, security against being immediately censored, uh, because we, you know, we use mainstream media, not always, you know, partly mainstream media articles, but basically articles produced by other people. But a lot of them are mainstream media articles, and we comment on them. So the actual article and the source is from, let's say, a mainstream media uh, source, but we're um, uh, we're commenting on it. So it's not our, our own our own work that could be you know presented as pure propaganda because we can say well we're just you know at least not even that someone will be looking at it directly but in terms of some algorithms that they use or whatever if they scan a the document they would simply see that well it's, this is actually a, rep- a reproduction of a of a of a CNN article or an AP or a New York Times article you know and and it might be there might be less chance that we would fall foul of the of the censor uh, in that respect but within it. Pretty much every article or most articles that we produce, we we kind of more or less truthify them, or at least provide another uh, extra angle on it that that changes the flavor of it, you know, that that shows that it's here's here's the rest of the story, you know. And of course, we write our own articles as well, you know, but it may it's interesting to think that that might be actually a, a better way to do it uh, in in the new age of of censorship, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe, maybe changing gears gears a bit,
1: but uh, staying along the, the media lines, uh, I wanted to just say a few words about the, the news out of Saudi Arabia and uh, Lebanese Prime Minister Hariri, who uh, made a visit to Saudi Arabia recently. Uh, he is actually a dual Lebanese-Saudi citizen and announced his resignation on Saudi TV. And while announcing his resignation on Saudi TV in Saudi Arabia, um, and apparently on the orders of <laughs> the leader of Saudi Arabia, um, basically said uh, or denounced Iranian interference in, uh, in in Lebanese politics, which was mm. quite ironic, um, you know, coming out of Saudi Arabia. Um, so what do you guys think of all this? I mean, there's a, there's a few kind of interpretations going along. Are going Mm. on out there, basically that this is a um, kind of either the first shot or you know one in an ongoing string of shots against uh, Iran and Hezbollah, because um, Hariri basically said that uh, you know basically adopted this anti-Hezbollah position in his in his resignation, Mm. and and he had this ridiculous story about um, you know there being assassination attempts on his you know on him. Which there's no evidence for. It just seems like you know he was just he was just reading the script provided him by the Saudis. Um, but this comes as the you know original Saudi plan for uh, for Syria um, has completely failed. The you know the Russians and the Syrians and and the Iraqis in Iraq have you know almost almost defeated ISIS, the, the Syrians are, or the Iraqis have made their way to the Syrian border and, um, Iraqi PMU, um, militias have crossed the border, um, basically securing the, or attempting to secure the, 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 ta- the small town on the opposite side of the border while the Syrians are making their way there, which would open up the, you know, the first, um, you know, reestablished road, um, between the two countries. Um, and basically, you know, solidifying their relationship and, the, and their, um, their, what would you call it? Well, just relations and connectivity. And so basically, the you know Saudis and everyone else you know involved, Qatar, UAE, Israel, UK, US, their original plan for Syria has utterly failed, and now they're turning on. Uh, well, of course, Iran. They've always been anti-Iranian. But now also, you know, getting in on the on Lebanon, because Lebanon has been relatively um, conflict-free, you know, in relation to the Syrian war. There have been—it's mm-hmm. uh, pretty much just been on its borders, basically. But there's been no, um, you know, nothing like Syria going on in Lebanon itself. And of course, Lebanon is where Hezbollah is. So. Um, So I don't know. What do you guys think about what's what's going to happen, or what's what's the plan for for Lebanon? Because I mean, well, they. So this guy Hariri uh, apparently, if he's if he's willing to take the uh, you know Saudi orders to resign, what's the purpose of you know essentially admitting that he's a puppet? What's the purpose of resigning as the leader of Lebanon when you're a Saudi puppet? Like, do they plan to replace him with someone that's an even well, bigger puppet or,
0: or what? The, the last time this happened, when a leader of a small Middle Eastern country fled to Saudi Arabia to resign and then soon after followed it up with a message of, actually, I've been kicked, oosted in a coup. Resulted in the obliteration of Yemen and currently today the mass starvation of about 20 million people. So that has, that has been my kind of worst fears about this. It's a bad sign because um, that yeah. happened with the leader, the Hani or whatever his name was.
3: I don't think. I don't think it's uh, it's going anywhere. I don't think it's a. I think it's it's a desperate attempt by him. He's a bit of a he's a bit of a pusillanimous character, and I have to say that the apple fell pretty far from the tree mm-hmm. in his case because, you know, his father, uh, Rafik Hariri, was assassinated by the Israelis with the help of the Saudis probably uh, in 2005. Um, he, he's obviously, he's nothing like him. Uh, he was a decent man who understood the situation and was um, was pretty much in, uh, uh, you know, he, he was nationally oriented and, and he... He um, he wasn't necessarily. He was trying to, you know, keep the peace basically, and build. He had built Lebanon up uh, because he was a kind of a construction magnet as well. Mm-hmm. He'd done a lot of construction work in in in, in Lebanon, um, and he was murdered by the, the Israelis, and they 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 blamed and have blamed since that blamed uh, Hezbollah for it. But it's ridiculous because as a result of his assassination. Um, and he was at the time Syria. There was a lot of Syria had a lot of influence in Lebanon, and uh, they they murdered him in order to get uh, the, the Syrians out of Lebanon. And that was obviously a, a major Israeli um, agenda to to boot out Syria. Um, um, and of course, and of course, it was blam- was blamed on it was bl- not it wasn't just blamed on Hezbollah. It was blamed on Hezbollah and the Syrians because the Syrians and Hezbollah were at that time were very much you know mm-hmm. joined at the hip type of thing and. Hariri, his father, uh, r- the current Hariri, his father um, w- was okay with that and realized that that was that was a, a stable situation. Um, but as a result of them blaming the International Criminal Court, whatever, whoever blamed him, the Americans obviously, and all most of the Western European countries blamed uh, the Syrians for killing his father. Uh, that was then um, kind of led. It was 2005, and it uh, right after that, that's when they started to. Begin the process of doing, uh, trying to do to Syria what they what they have tried to over the past five or six years. Uh, It made no sense, obviously, that uh, Syria would kill his father because that's actually what happened. It was like shooting themselves in in the foot in a in in a major way. Uh, And his father was no in no sense an enemy of Syria at all. Um, So this guy is a bit of a quizzling of the Saudis, of Western powers. And I think him his resignation, he's running away um, afraid. And I think it's a good sign in a certain sense because it suggests that uh, Hezbollah have been, you know, empowered as a result of the victory of the Russians in Syria. Mm-hmm. um, And obviously the Syrian government has been empowered and its influence in Lebanon as can and, and probably will increase. And of course, along with the Iranians who are in on that as well, and Iraq, he basically is... He was basically a Western stooge or a Saudi Western stooge in in Lebanon, and he's fled now basically because, you know, in the same way, you know, what do you call her uh, Brazil uh, in in the US was 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 freaking out about uh about Russian sniper shooting through a window. He's probably freaking out about Iranian, Syrian, Hezbollah snipers killing him, whatever, because the tide has turned. Um, Even though that's not their
0: MO. <clears throat> Right, but that that's ridiculous because that that would lend credence to yeah. the motive.
3: I know, but it's 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 the kind of paranoia, yeah. Right, but
2: well, um, what's interesting? Yeah, uh, if I could go just check. Um, Netanyahu just came out with a statement. Uh, about Hariri's resignation, saying, uh, you know, it 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 doesn't. Uh, it's indicative of, of just how powerful Iran has has become. Blah, 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 yeah. uh, exactly. Uh, so it. It does, even if it's not directly related, it does fit in perfectly with this narrative that, um, that uh, Netanyahu and, and Israel has been pushing forth, which is that I- Iran has suddenly become even more powerful, having participated in, uh, in routing ISIS in Syria. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, they're now sort of uh, on the doorstep of Israel and, and are in a greater position to, um, to do something in, in response to Israel should Israel uh, kill more people, kill more scientists. Well, how about
0: this? Israel announced this week they're preparing to send uh, forces across the border to quote protect Druze villages inside Syria.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's a little like curtsy. Mm-hmm. You know, Lebanon is pretty much directly in is is one hundred percent in the sphere of influence of of Syria, and therefore in the sphere of influence now of Russia. And there's no way, uh, you know. I don't think there's any, any possible plan of, of of bombing Lebanon or I mean there's really a can always kinda of try and stir things up there and stuff, but the things things have dramatically changed in the Middle East. I mean, just above uh Lebanon, you know, maybe I don't know, freaking you know, ten or fifteen miles north of Leban- the Lebanon border is Tartus, you know, where the Russians have a have a have a base and then further north they have Latakia, you know. So um the Russians are in that area. In Syria now to stay, and Lebanon, Lebanon, the Lebanese Hezbollah has done a lot in terms of fighting in Syria, fighting against the jihadis, basically on the Russian Iranian uh, side. So um, I think this guy Hariri just uh, scurried off to, to to Saudi Arabia because he saw Rat,
0: rats uh, fleeing. The yeah, he yeah. saw
3: the writing on the wall, you know. And um, I mean, Hezbollah basically runs Lebanon. They have long-standing plans that if anything goes uh, pear shaped, uh, or they see the potential for anything to go pear shaped, where they would be, you know, trying to be, if someone was trying to drive them out or uh, do anything against them in Lebanon, they have they have long standing plans to basically, uh, you know, stage a coup basically and take over the Lebanese government and, and rule it themselves. You know, they're a major party, they have major control in, in Lebanon. So, uh, yeah, I mean, this, this guy is, has every every reason to be worried. Uh, not necessarily that he's going to be assassinated. All that's possible, I suppose. But I don't think they would. I think it's just that he's he's being pushed out, and uh, and he's just as as most kind of quizlings would do. Would they make a big deal of it, you know? Instead of just instead of it just being that there's no more room for him and his agenda, basically his Western agenda in Lebanon. He's, he claims he goes out claiming that uh, they were trying to kill me. I had to leave. You know, and it's like whatever, dude. Go and you know, live it up with the choppers in Saudi Arabia, and you'll be all right. <laughs> well, um, just,
2: just a little more background. Um, I think last week uh, Tillerson met with um, the president of Iraq and and um, and Saudi Arabia, and kind of made overtures about them now having this newfound uh, uh, détente and and in relations. And uh, the suggestion was that they might um, come together in an alliance against Iran. Uh, recently, we've we've come across the Bin Laden uh, so-called uh, CIA um, disclosure of, of documents, which which came out to suggest that uh, Iran had some kind of alliance with Al Qaeda uh, during nine eleven or pre nine eleven. Complete bullshit. Right. Desperation. Um, De- desperate, uh, desperate kind of um, uh, effort to further demonize Iran, uh, maybe help justify uh, further justify Trump's um, or and or deep state attempt to nullify the uh, the Iran nuclear deal. Uh, so all of this is happening in the background. Hariri just uh, just resigns. Uh, Hezbollah's never been stronger. Israel has has just a couple of weeks ago uh, had high-level meetings with Russia stating that they, they can't accept um, Iranian uh, presence in, in Syria, uh, no. I think something's afoot. And
0: um, and it might be no. kind of big. And it's not good for Israel. And or America. Hariri's gone to a Saudi Arabia where something is happening. Um, is that the other story you wanted to bring up, Harrison? Well, maybe,
1: uh, maybe really briefly. Um, did you want to Talk about well, it. There's
0: been a major crackdown inside Saudi Arabia. Like I'm mm-hmm. reading, that eleven princes have been arrested, as well as four ministers. As the, the crown prince unleashes a crackdown on corruption, um, there's something going on there, like cleaning mm-hmm. house, maybe. Um, if you take all the other stuff as well, the, the talk earlier about them backing down from this ultra-conservative Wahhabi sect, they've hitherto, you know spent billions preaching the world over, mm. um, loosening up a lot of their insane laws about women's rights and stuff. There's a kind of like slow-motion regime change that strikes me happening in Saudi Arabia. I wonder how that'll play into their official position. Mm-hmm. At the moment, I mean, for the moment, they're, it. they're taking a predictable, as usual, hysterical course with Qatar, vis-a-vis Iran and so forth. But um, Something might shift there.
3: Well, this is—I think it's a result of it's the effect of, of Russian influence in the Middle East and Russian influence with Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia and Russia have been uh, kind of coaching up each other, probably much to the uh, chagrin of the of the Americans. They're sure. having a fit about it and stuff. And I mean, I don't think you can detach the two Russia in Syria and what it's done in Syria over the past two years and in the Middle East in general. The influence it's had, which is you know direct and and, and very much indirect in terms of changing the atmosphere, changing the tempo. And uh, and that's having its influence in Saudi Arabia as well. And it's, 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 it's totally very much in keeping with Russia's view of the world, i.e., you know, get rid of terrorism, uh, that Saudi Arabia would be starting to gently move away from being a supporter of terrorism and, and, and a proselytizer for uh, extremist Islam, which leads into jihadism and stuff, um, and, and doing that more or less not necessarily at the behest of Russia, but in an understanding that, you know, there's a new, there's a new kid in town and, you know, um, this is what he would like to see basically, that this is good for business. This is the way it should look. This is the the new image that we want to present. And of course, you would never have seen this happen with, uh, with, with America. We haven't seen it happen with America for all the years that America was buddy, buddy, uh, you know, tied at the hip with, um, with Saudi Arabia. Uh, Saudi Arabia just, uh, uh, strengthened in its in its jihadist uh, supportive uh, supporting of jihadist uh, tendencies and stuff so because America always found common cause with uh, extremist groups anywhere in the world whereas Russia finds common cause with uh, the moderate uh, and more secular more reasonable uh, groups and and I think it's reasonable to to assume that that is a direct influence of uh, it's it's the Russian fields going out around the Middle East and Saudi Arabian Saudi Arabian knows you know they're they're smart enough they're they're nothing and they're if they're not smart about uh, about you know which way the wind's blowing mm. and uh, and there's been some there's been a lot of stuff for sure going on behind the scenes that nobody gets an idea of but you just see the results of after the fact you know I mean that that change in Saudi Arabia is a direct result of the past year let's say of meetings between Saudi and Russian uh, government officials. And changes and all also- right,
0: right, right. And this week, Putin pops up in Tehran with the leader of Azerbaijan, um, and Rouhani, to well, not announce it was already known, but to update on progress of these huge gas pipelines that will connect India with Iran mm-hmm. up the Caspian via so-called Republic of BP, which I think is going to lose that moniker soon. Azerbaijan onto Russia and then Europe. I mean, all we see are kind of fruits of these back, background happenings, and it's all smiles and the camera, and we're all on board, you know. <laughs> it's uh, it's fascinating. <clears throat>
1: yeah.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, um, I think we're
1: going to get back to those topics as they develop in, in future weeks. And for now, I think we've said everything that we want to say so thanks everyone for tuning in Um, and yeah we'll see you next week so everyone take care bye everyone
0: see you next week have a good evening